Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. We've got another uh, special guest with us uh, tonight, and uh, very special because he prays for you guys every week. I'm sorry if you were going to say this, but I'm going to say it. He prays for you guys every week. Um, He prays for Hannah and I every day. Uh, It's Hannah's dad, my father-in-law, and uh, he is... Uh, well, I don't know if you guys know this, but when I was, sorry, I'm going to steal more of your time, but when I was a senior in high school, I was out in California doing some surfing and things like that, and I went to uh, my now father-in-law, Joey Brandt's church, as a senior in high school, and I wasn't really serious about God, was kind of doing my own thing, and uh, it was at that service, I can't remember what he was teaching on, but I remember God speaking to me as clear as I've ever heard him. And uh, it was basically, uh, I kept saying one day I'd be serious about God. And I felt like the Lord said to me, you keep saying one day, why not today? And it it changed the trajectory of my my life. I actually went home early from that trip, started serving here um, at Calvary, and then took over the youth ministry, and here I am uh, 12 years later. So um, it was because of the ministry uh, at WG and Joey, my now father-in-law, and uh, so, so fired up to have him preach in the factory. So let's give a very warm welcome to my dad, <laughs> Joey Brand. Uh, uh, so good to be with you guys. Like Nate said, I do pray for you guys every week. He left out that I pray for Shane and Julianne and Trevor and Hannah and the twins and all that stuff. And Jim and Christy and everybody. It's great to be with you. I was thinking during worship, this is where Hannah and Nate got married in this room. I had that flashback. I did the ceremony part of it, but Pastor Jim did most of it. But I'll never forget one part I did, because it wasn't my first rodeo, with. because my daughter Leah got married first, and I was super nervous at her wedding, and um, so I wasn't as nervous at Hannah's wedding, and Jim was nervous. It was funny, because he's a cool cat, but he was nervous. Pastor Jim was nervous. I was like, oh, look at him. So I got up, and uh, Nate, Nate, and I said, I, you know, I go, hey, Nate, do you just want to kiss Hannah and take her home? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of how we began that relationship. I'm like, good for you because you're getting married today and you get to. So that's good. Good for you. Well, apart from the family connections, yesterday was a really big day in my life. Because yesterday to the day was my 35th anniversary showing up for work as a pastor. 35 years. I didn't know what I was doing. I was terrified. I hadn't read my whole Bible. I didn't think I was qualified. I still don't think I am. But, um, and I just, it was amazing to be in Vero Beach yesterday at Nate and Hannah's house. And I was a little slow out the gate because I'm on West Coast time. So they left when it was, you know, 9 in the morning your time, but 6 a.m. for West Coast time. And after they left, I was reading my Bible and thinking about things. And I thought, Hannah was going to come here to teach the women's ministry. You know, if you're, if you're a dad, that makes you really proud, just so you know. And I listened to her the night before, uh, the Tuesday night, so I heard the study. And then Nate was going to Vero Beach High School to do the Christian Club. And I thought, you know, like, I'm so blessed. Because here I am, I'm 61. I've lived all these dreams and all these incredible experiences of life. And like 35 years ago, I made a really good decision to go forward with the next step in my journey with the Lord to be an interim pastor at Calvary Chapel Vista. And on that very day of that anniversary, my son-in-law is off to go teach at a public school campus, the good news of Jesus, and my daughter's off to go teach the women at Calvary Vero Beach. I just can't tell you the, the joy that was in my heart. And I was like, yeah, next month is my 35th wedding anniversary. 
And if that's not enough, when I turn 62 on March 21st, it'll be my 50th surfing anniversary. So, oh yeah, so I got, I got some coming up. So it's a very eventful time in my life right now, and it's great to be with you. Over the last year or two, particularly during COVID, we all have some free time to think about things. And as I was mulling and going over stuff, I thought, you know, I've lived this life. I've had different movies done on my life, different things done. I've turned down movie offers because they wouldn't share my testimony from Hollywood, stuff like that. And so I began working on autobiography. In the first part of my life, when I was dreaming to be a pro surfer and the king of the pipeline, all this stuff, it was dreams come true. Because when I won the Pipe Masters, right there when I'm holding this trophy up, I, I literally, it's all, if you see the video, I'm like, dreams come true. Because it was my life dream from the time I began surfing at 12. And it happened when I was 24. But then part of my testimony is how after I won all that and the emptiness that God allowed me to have, my life began to be known as beyond the dream. What happens when you live your dream and it doesn't fulfill you? Kind of like the woman at the well, drink from this water, you'll thirst again, right? So that I'm known for beyond the dream, but as I've been working on the book, I'm like, well, it's not really dreams come true because that already happened. It's, it's, it's not really beyond the dream because I'm way beyond the dream. <laughs> and this last week, the Lord really put on my heart what it is. It's a destiny. Because what's bigger than goals? A dream. Because goals get you to your dream. But what's bigger than a dream? A destiny. Your life is a destiny. And with Joey Brand, it's always forward. Because we're going forward, onward, and upward toward the things of God. That's what Philippians says. And we always forget what's behind. You had a song about that earlier. I can't change yesterday. And I'm really, I wish I could, but I can't. And, I, you know, we can only go forward. So as I've been thinking about my life and what would I share with people and what I, what I want the book to encompass and what are macro things I've learned in my journey, I'm going to share four of the eight with you tonight. So if I live to make it to, you know, next time I visit, maybe I'll get the back four on you. But I, you get the first four pillars, okay, of, of what, like, when I sit down with you, like Papa Joe and Joey Brand, the California kid and world champion surf coach, Hall of Famer, all this stuff, but really... Disciple of Jesus Christ. These are the things I would share with you. The first thing is divine purpose. As I look at my life, the single most important thing, I, I think it's critical for all people to understand, all of you in this room, the person sitting next to me on the plane, my enemies, my str the strangers, the adversaries, and everything in between, because I've had lots of all the above. So you haven't really arrived in ministry until someone writes you a 29-page letter critiquing everything wrong with you including how you part your hair. And I can't fix it, so I don't even know what to say about that one. But, um, you know, you're going to always, you're going to have people that love you and believe in you. You're going to have people that could care less about you. And there's going to be people that are actually opposed to you, you know, because when you, when you stand for the light, then you stand against darkness. When you're for life, you're just by, you're known for being against death. And when you're for the spirit, you're against the flesh. When you're for humility, you're against pride. So I want to be identified by what I'm known for, but as I'm identified what I'm known for, I'm also identified by what I'm known I'm against. And you can't please everyone, and you want to please the Lord. So the first one is divine purpose. This is important because I remember being in eighth grade at Valley Junior High in Carlsbad. I was raised Catholic. I went to catechism. I did all that kind of stuff. And I always believed in God. I did bad things, but I never thought I was getting away with it. <laughs> I mean, I was a good Catholic under the wrath of God, let me tell you. I'm named after St. Joseph, and I did this, and then I stole the baseball cards from 7-Eleven. And then I went to confession. That's all true. It really, it really happened that way. But I remember in eighth grade at Valley Junior High, looking, is the first time I ever saw the Darwin chart of, like, you know, a tagpole becomes a man. And 
I mean, I was so naughty in eighth grade. I got suspended for pulling my pants down and fighting in the same year. So just, it's a true story, but just don't even picture that. But it did happen that way. So, um, but here I am, this little rebel and this problem kid so bad, my mom wouldn't let the Catholic school raise me because she said she couldn't do it to the nuns. And it's true. I asked her, I asked her that before she passed away. I said, no, I couldn't do that to the nuns. So here I am in the public school system. I look at this social studies book and I see the, the Darwin's evolution. And I'll tell you what I thought. That's a lie. I said, there is just no way that's true. I'm a scoundrel and I'm a naughty boy, but I did not come from a monkey. <laughs> I'm, you know, I may act like one, but I didn't come from one. And it's such a defining moment in my life looking back to 1975. I can so remember that. I can so remember that. And even in that moment, realizing, like, my life has meaning, and my life has purpose, and your life has meaning, and your life has purpose. There's a divine destiny. There in the book of Jeremiah, in the very beginning of the book, Jeremiah 1.5, God comes to Jeremiah. Jeremiah's dad was a priest, but Jeremiah was not called to be a priest. Jeremiah's dad was married and had kids. Jeremiah was not called to be married and had kids. He was a prophet, and he was a single man. His life was very different than his dad's, which just shows us the uniqueness of our divine calling. But when God called me, he said, before I formed you in the womb, that's a powerful statement, right? Because God's outside of time. He's in a different dimension over this dimension. And before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And what you want to think about for your life, not my life, your life right now, you, because Jesus knows the hairs on your head. You are one cell in your mother's womb at the point of conception. And those cells replicated themselves to make you. And in replicating themselves and make you within that one cell was also the ability for you to make little children too. That's divine design and divine purpose. And in the book of Acts, chapter 17, Paul was preaching to the Athenians. And he said that God's predetermined our boundaries and our seasons and where we live. So see, I was born in 1961. That's my timeline. My presidents have been Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Ford, uh, Carter, Reagan, Bush one, Bush two, Clinton, you know, Obama. Like, I, this is my timeline, but this is your timeline. So he's, there's divine purpose in your life. You can't de decide when you're conceived and when you're made. This is the time God gave you. This is your timeline, and you're in it right now, 2023, right here on February 9th with us tonight, Eastern Standard Time, 7.40 p.m., Okay. <laughs> Which is unusual, because for me, it's 4.40 p.m., which is really an unusual time to be teaching a Bible study if you're a California kid. But as you go through your journey of life, and as I've ministered to people in all kinds of situations, people on the mountaintop, people in the valley of despair, and everything in between, I just come with confidence in that situation representing Christ, because I look at any person, no matter what they've done with their life, no matter how someone perceives their life, or how they perceive it when they look in the mirror, I know that every life has great value and meaning and purpose. And even as God knew what he had for Jeremiah before he was formed in the womb, before he was one cell, before Psalm 139 could be spoken over David's life, you know, you fearfully and wonderfully made in my mother's womb, and that I know well, and the days are fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them. And, and Jeremiah tells us later on that his thoughts for us are good thoughts. Because David said in Psalm 139, his thoughts are more than the sand. And then Jeremiah tells us his thoughts are good thoughts to give us a future and a hope. And they're not thoughts of evil. So that's you. That's you tonight, Factory Youth. That's those who came before you three years ago and have moved on and somewhere else now, not in the youth group anymore. That's those who are going to come behind you from the children's ministry. That's all of us. It's a beautiful thing to be on planet Earth and look at 8 billion people 
and all the ethnic diversity and all the cultural distinctions and whatnot, and to realize that every person on this planet is made with purpose and meaning. There are a trillion galaxies in this universe. Now, that's a lot. Trillions a lot. Trillions of galaxies, but only billions of people. And Christ came and died for every one of them if they're willing to receive him. And whether people want to receive him or not, because I've had a lot of people reject Christ at my expense as the proclaimer of the gospel, and I've had many people respond to the gospel as well. Nate showed that story tonight. You just never know what God's doing. But he is our creator. We, no one, your neighbors, your friends, your foes, no one came from a, a rock that came to life, became a tadpole, and just went this way. Your bedroom doesn't get cleaner when you do nothing. It gets worse, okay? That's entropy. And it doesn't, like, God's the design and order is your life. So point number one of the critical pillars of the human experience, no matter what you encounter, Jeremiah 1.5 and Acts 17 and Psalm 139 will tell us that you are created with purpose and divine design. You, you're not the children of a lesser God under any circumstance. No one is. Even when we said the blind man, I said, oh, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? He said, no, but that, the glory, that God would be glorified through his blindness. This has occurred. And even to Moses, he said, have I not made the deaf, the dumb, the blind, and the lame? I grew up with two blind cousins, Kurt and Kate. They both live in Daytona to this day. God makes no mistakes. In a fallen world, every life has meaning and purpose. So don't ever underestimate the divine purpose on your life. And do not, under any circumstance, underestimate the divine purpose of anyone else's life. So when you see homeless people maybe that bug you or drive you nuts, you got to remember, that was, that's just a scarred, marred version or someone who's angry and given over to sin or whatever it could be. They're just a, a marred vision of something beautiful that, that God made and Christ came and died for. And if you can walk through life and you can get from your journey of being in teen years, getting a driver's license, right to the end like me, and you can end up in your 90s and maybe not even know who you are when you're in your 90s, but you know Christ, you will do well if you understand and respect the value of all life. The person you see in the mirror and the person you walk outside as your neighbor and see. That's critical. Because ministry is loving God. The, the great commandment is to love God. He loves you first. And to love your neighbor. Okay? Now, the second thing is personal faith. Because, of course, everyone's created, but not everyone wants to walk with the Lord, respond to the Lord. We know there in John, it says, as many as received Jesus, he gave them the right to become the children of God. They're not born according to flesh and blood, but according to God by his spirit. But it's a funny thing. You know, living long enough and having traveled the world, I've traveled all over the world, both as a military brat, my dad was in the Marine Corps, as a pro surfer all over the world, as a pastor, and even as a surf coach. I was an Olympic surf coach up until a couple of years ago for Team USA, as being a pastor at the same time. And in traveling the world, I've seen all kinds of world religions and how they affect society and cultures and all that. One of the most profound events in my life was in 1987 because I, I would wonder, like I'd be in Bali and you see the Hindu things, like, oh, that's really weird, you know? And then, I mean, that's what I thought. And then I'd be in uh, Japan and i see the Book of Buddha in the hotel instead of a Gideon's Bible. I'm like, wow, that's really different, you know? And like, so you, you have to work through these things in your mind. And when I read the Gospel of John for the first time in 1987 when I was getting on track with the Lord and I read John 14, 6, it was so clear. It just... Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. And I read that, and I thought, I was living at my dad's house. At the time, I had an attempted suicide just nine months before, and I was trying to rebuild my life from the ashes. And I read that, and I thought, if this is true, this should be my life. And the Lord gave me a vision. I had been in Japan on the pro tour, 
1982, I'd been in Japan. I stayed at like a, like, kind of like a, a bed and breakfast kind of thing, but it was more like rice and surfing. And it's, it's true, because as we had rice for everything, I was like, I don't, I don't like fish. And it was like rice, 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 and surf, surf, surf. But it was a bed and breakfast. And this very nice fisherman who we lived with, he'd go in the backyard, and he had a shrine, and he'd light incense on the shrine. And I'm like looking out the window with my Catholic background, going, that's, I don't know, to each their own. Like, you know, you don't have to think. I'm like 22, and all I care about is beating Tom Curran. I don't care what the guy's lighting in his backyard, the shrine. True story. When I gave my life to Christ, when I read John 14, 6 and gave my life to Christ in the spring of 1987, God brought back the vision of that man. He brought back the vision of that man. Because it it's in your database. It's all there in your subconscious. And God, the Holy Spirit, brought it back and said, you have traveled the world where it's all about you, Joey Brand, the pro surfer. Now I want you to travel the world and make it all about me, the Savior of the world. And this is nice. I was like, oh, my goodness. What a profound concept. It's not about me, but it's about others. And I also realized right then and there that that man was dead in his trespasses and sin. And that, because I'd wonder, like, well, surely God looks upon someone like that favorably. He's very sincere. And that day when I read John 14, 6, in my father's house, the Lord spoke clear to me, that man needs to hear the good news of my son. And that changed my life because within six months, I was headed toward the ministry and again, as I celebrate 35 years as a pastor, that came about nine months after that when I became uh, an interim pastor at Calvary Chapel Vista. So personal faith is critical. And you people have faith. They talk about faith. One time, Tom Curran, the famous pro surfer that won three world championships and put me in retirement because he was so much better than me. They stopped by to visit the church in Virginia Beach, Calvary Chapel, Hampton Roads. Hannah was like one years old or whatever. And I was pretty nervous, and they showed up. And they had a band. It was called Tom Curran and the Sea Urchins or something. But they came by, and um, they're all Rastafarians. They smelled like weed and everything. You know, like, ah, Jay, man, you're faster. And I'm like, they're like, ja, 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 and they're ja, ja, this and ja, ja, that. And I, so I shared about how Jesus said to Peter, follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. And I'll never forget this, this full Rasta guy goes, Bro, so you're like a surfer of men. I was like, right. You got it. You got it. You know, cast your line. And what, what, what I realized that this guy has a Rastafarian worldview. For what it's worth, I saw Bob Marley live at the Diamond uh, Honolulu in 1979. Like, I've lived a pretty full life. I've done things. I've seen things like, I saw Bob Marley live. That's worth something. But anyways, uh, so... You have the Rastafarians do this, and you have the Buddhists and the Confucius and all this stuff. And, but in the end, it's Jesus. Listen to me, factory. There's only one person you can cry out to when you're stepping into eternity and you're breathing your last. And only one shows up as the good shepherd. Only one raises you from the grave and takes you to the kingdom. And his name is Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords. Because in 35 years of ministry, I've watched a lot of people who know the Lord step into eternity. And when the king comes, he comes for those who have their personal faith and trust in him. Bob Marley might put you in a good mood when you're driving down A1A in July, not in a hurry. But Bob Marley and the Rastafarians do not save your soul. Only Jesus Christ will save your soul. So that personal faith is everything. Because people talk about God, they believe in God, this and that. But you, you need to have that, that flashpoint of faith. You need to have that point where you make the commitment. Listen, and it can be progress. It's a progressive thing with the Lord, too. I'm sure you're realizing that. When Hannah was two and a half, this is absolutely a true story, and we were pastoring in Virginia Beach, I came home one day, and Hannah, you can picture, Hannah is a toddler, two and a half, she said, Daddy, I asked Jesus in my heart today. And I was like, oh, Hannah, that is so cute. She goes, Daddy, I'm serious. 
She meant it. I was like, whoa, okay, then, you know. Like, if you're born again, you're born again. At two and a half, who else but Hannah Gallagher would be born again at two and a half and tell her dad, hey, hey get with the program. I'm serious here. I watched, I was there when she was baptized, when she was nine, she came back from high school camp at 16, said she got baptized again because it was something she wanted to do for her faith, and I watched her journey. I'm on a journey. Hannah's watching my journey. I haven't arrived. I'm under construction. But Hebrews 11 tells us that faith is a seven things hoped for, the evidence not yet seen, and that's the person of Jesus in heaven, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. We're told that we walk by faith, we live by faith. And our faith is on display for the world to see. And without faith and going forward in faith, we fall into a rut. So really, a preview of your life is, is applying faith in Jesus in every circumstance to keep growing and going forward and become more the woman you're meant to be for the day of the Lord and more the man you're meant to be for the day of the Lord. So that, and then ultimately, Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, which kind of goes back to all these other things that people can look to. It, we got to be looking into Jesus. Jesus carries you through everything in life. He goes before you and behind you as the angel of the Lord. And I want Jesus over my best day, and I want Jesus over my worst day. And I can tell you, whether I invite him to be or not, with his hand upon my life, he was over my best day, and he's certainly been over my worst days. He's over my past, he's over my today, and he's over my tomorrow. And someday is going to be that last day, and he's coming for me, and he'll come for you. He'll most likely come for me long before he comes for you. But, you know, time is an equal opportunity abuser. And you get about 80 years. And he'll come for you. And you don't want to stare down the grave and look into anyone other than Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. So that personal faith is everything. It's, it's, you, your life has the value of your life, at, but really your personal faith is your faith. And that's what I've learned, too. Like, it can't be, Hannah's faith can't be my faith. And Nate's faith inspires me, but his faith can't be my faith. i got to wake up and live my life with my faith, just like you do yours. The third thing is dream big. Now, this makes me sound like an Olympic surf coach. Uh, like, dream big, and I, I'm kind of known for getting the most out of the abilities of surfers that I've coached and worked with. I've coached the U.S. team, the Great Britain team, the Chilean team. I built our Olympic program, then the U.S. team, and we won the world championship in 19, uh, or 2000, 2017 with four alternates in a team that wasn't expected to podium, we won the goal. That was amazing. But I've always dreamed big, and I don't know why, but I do. I've always been that way. Now, some people don't dream big. Some people think, like, oh, that could never happen for me. But here's the deal. Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 2, we're told that we're not saved through works, but we're saved through faith, right? You know, Ephesians 2, 8, by grace you've been saved, that through faith, not of yourself, not of works. But then it says we're his workmanship, See, when we, we were created with divine purpose, we're saved by faith in Jesus. He's who we're looking to. He's our Savior. And then we realize we're not going to earn his favor. We're coming from his favor. I always tell people, I'm not hoping for victory. I'm coming from victory. That's, that's how I face my giants. That's how I face my challenges. I'm like, I'm not hoping for victory. Listen, factory youth. Jesus Christ's blood on the cross is not hoping for victory. It is victory. The empty tomb is not hoping for victory. It is victory. And the day of Pentecost, tongues of fire upon the disciples of Christ for the church age, is not hoping for victory. It is victory. So we come from victory, whatever God's calling us to do. And that Ephesians 2.10 says that we're a work of art in the Greek, which means we're actually ready a masterpiece. 
See, when we give our life to Christ, see, you can do what you want with your life without Christ, with all the talents and skills God given you. I've known lots of people who are extremely talented, skillful, do great things, and they don't live for the Lord. Now, they'll leave it all behind, but, you know, you can say, okay, they seem happy with all their money and their fame or whatever. But in the end, God's always working on eternity in our lives. When you give your life to Christ, see, we have abundant life now. We have eternal life now. I'm like walking in it. <laughs> see, I'm walking in eternal life right now. I'm going to glory, and I'm in it. So when Christ comes for me, like Stephen in the book of Acts, I'm just like, hey, see you out, transitioning dimensions right now. And see, he's making me a work of art, which goes back to what I said. You can have goals and you can have dreams, but you have a destiny. And that's really what it's about. Because I was, you know, the king of the pipeline, Hall of Fame, but that's just part of my story. A dad, a parent, grandparent, all these grandkids, that, it's just still being written. Who knows what I'll look like when I'm in 90 in, in, in a memory care or something? That may be my greatest time with the Lord. He's not done until he's done, and your life's a work of art. It's not, so it's not like a sporting career where like, oh, this is your career up until like 35 or whatever, LeBron James breaking the record. Like, this is LeBron James. That, LeBron doesn't want to be defined by his basketball career. When he's 60, he wants to be defined by who he is when he's 60. And that's how we want to be because we're a work of art. So you never really arrive because it says in 2 Corinthians, we're being transformed from glory to glory as in a mirror. So we're just, we haven't arrived, but we're under construction and so I say every day, this is what I say every day. I literally look in the mirror and go, hey, in all things as unto the Lord. That's Colossians. In all things, the pursuit of excellence because Jesus deserves my best. In all things, better and better, like the song you were singing, because in Christ, the hope of glory, it is better and better. In all things, believing and becoming that person I'm meant to be for the day of the Lord. See, you're meant to be a work of art. So you're created with purpose, divine purpose, and we're, we have a personal faith. But really, there's a, there's a bigger thing, and the dream is the dream. There's something so much bigger than, than you. And you just walk in it. You know, it's like those old Disney movies, Angel in the Outfield. You don't even know. It's like you got this destiny, and that's why you want to dream big. Now, obviously, okay, so you think, okay, one of my favorite verses is Psalm 37, 4. Because, listen, it's a good verse. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. Do you know, anyone know the rest of the verse? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will He'll give you the desires of your heart. See, we often think that our desires of our heart, we put upon the Lord and say, bless this. But as we spend time with the Lord and let Jesus be Lord, he puts it on our heart, and he gives us the vision and the direction and the calling. And suddenly, like, why am I doing this? Hey, I've got a great story. Janet Lee. Janet Lee is in her early 30s. Single woman. Comes to worship generation. Fairly new, last few months. She came up to me right before Christmas and she said, I think God's called me to go to the Philippines to minister in orphanages. And so I'm going to go to the Philippines and go minister in orphanages, but my, her family's not saved. And they're like, my dad's against it and all this. And she's a, she's a medical technician. She does a sonogram for pregnant women at Children's Hospital in Orange County. And I said, oh, oh, I know you're called to go to the Philippines. You know how I know? Because Janet Lee wouldn't wake up and say, let's go to the Philippines, go to an orphanage. The Holy Spirit, as she's seeking the Lord, is going to put that in her heart to go do it. And she went. And one of the most amazing things, like just two weeks ago in the sanctuary, she's showing me the photos and the video of what she did in these orphanages. Like this woman, she still thought in faith and she did this. She's like, I think this is my bigger calling. This is what I'm supposed to do. And she went, and so she got down there, 80 kids in orphanage with not even basic sanitation stuff, not even soap and shampoo stuff, in the Philippines on one of those islands. 
She did their whole Christmas event. She bought all this stuff for them, did all these things. Then they did this open-air preaching, and the guy's all frozen. They got out of the van. So she got up, and she started preaching about David and Goliath and got it to the cross. And I've seen the video, and all these Filipino people are coming out like, what is going on? And she just like, that's, what, that's, that's your destiny. Like, you go get it, girl. I was like, I started crying. She's like, why are you crying? Because I'm just crying. Because you did it. Yes, it's so pumped up. You know how many times you preach and no one hears what you're saying? And then when people actually, the word of God works effectively in them who believe, and you see them go do something like that, and then they're coming back and think like, how am I going to do ongoing ministry? What's my greater calling with kids? And what am I called to do? There's a big dream out there that Jesus Christ has for you, and that's your destiny. Now, a dream is just a dream until you take the first step. So you got to take the first step. The first step is the next thing. You got to take a step toward that dream. And God can redirect you. See, a moving car, he can redirect. A parked car, can't do anything with it. So you got to take the first step and start moving toward your dream that God's putting on your heart. And if he changes it, that's okay. But take action, just get after it. That's what you need to do. Or as Wayne Gretzky, the great hockey player, used to say, you miss all the shots you never take. So you got you to get going. Janet Lee Spelt with a Y. She's going to say, it's Janet Lee with a Y. Like L-Y. Okay. Not E-E. She went and did it. And now she's taken that step of faith. And now there's other things come around the corner with a bigger vision. That's how it works. You take this step. Then you take that step. And you're like, you take that step. (laughs) Then you're just flowing. Why are you just flowing, huh? That's what you do. You take the next step. And you got more steps. And you're learning new steps. You're just like, whoo, whoo. You know, like you just, you're on fire for the Lord. Take the next step with your dream. Factory, take the next step. What is it? See, sometimes we're afraid to even dream big. Soar, man. Do you want to soar with the Lord? Or do you want to just walk on the planet Earth with turkeys? <laughs> go, 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 go. You want to fly, man. I don't know why I dreamed to be the king of the pipe, but I did, and I was. You delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll put things on your heart that you're called to do, and you go do it. Do something great with your life for the kingdom. Whether you live a few years or many years, do something great. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary. Don't miss this. This is Hall of Fame stuff. Listen, escuchame. Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary. Listen to what he did. He was a teenager, and he gave his life to the Lord, and he said, I'm going to be a missionary. So he started just going out and sharing gospel tracts around London, going for it. And then he went to China. He dressed like the Chinese people. He got outside the walls of the missionary and all this, the missionary stations. He went out there. He learned the language. He spoke the language. He dwelt with the people. But he had one goal, one key. This is a destiny. It's bigger than a dream. Hudson Taylor saw millions of people perishing in China without Christ. It was one of the poorest countries in the world at the time, colonized by all the Western nations. And he had a vision, listen, he had a vision from the Lord that there would be a gospel representation in every single province, known province of inland China. And he dedicated his life to accomplish that. He buried his children there. He survived the communist uprising, the Boxer Rebellion in 0102, where his friends were killed and martyred in their faith. And in 1904, 1905, when he stepped into eternity, he stepped into eternity having accomplished that goal. There was a mission station in every inland province of China. And 90 years later, his great-grandson was the director of the Inland China Mission. Boom. Oh, I dropped the mic. You like that, huh? That's better than breakdancing, huh? 
The mic drop was the best. So, have, understand your life has divine purpose. And don't ever let anyone take that from you and don't take it from anyone else. Understand that you're called to live a life of faith and you're going to go one day at a time in your faith and you want to grow in your faith. You don't want to be in a rut because that's just a different de- uh, definition of a grave. You want to keep moving forward, forward, onward, upward with Christ. And you want to dream big. Let the Lord get, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and let him add everything to your life. And dream big. And when people dream small, go elevate them. Speak the promises over them. Give them hope. Give this, this, your generation needs faith, hope, and love, and truth. And you want to give it to them. So, Factor Youth, I'm just going to give you three tonight. I'm going to give you three. Those are three pillars. Let those be the foundation of your life, that divine purpose of every life. Personal faith is what you hold to in your life. And dream big. Because if Joy Brand, the kid born in, you know, there was an article in Surfing Magazine one time that said, how does a kid born in Cleveland, Ohio, become the California kid? And how does a California kid win the Pipe Masters and make the Hall of Fame when he started surfing at 12? Because that was my divine destiny. In writing my book, I've tried to figure this out. Why, when I was 12, and I could barely surf, and I watched the Pipe Masters on ABC, Wire World of Sports, and Jerry Lopez win it, I thought, why would I look at that and say to my mom, I'm going to win that contest? Like, why would that become my whole life? Because God's plan is so much bigger than our goals and even our dreams. It's a divine destiny, and he has one for every life in this room. But I'll leave you with this exhortation. You only get one life to go live your destiny. So make it count, Factory Youth, in Jesus' name.